On Raising Rare, we are bringing you the story of a young father whose son has an ultra-rare disorder known as Sedegatian type spondial metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. My name is Kevin Fryert. Each episode, we will find out what is going on in the life of Sanath and his son, Raghav. We will talk about Raghav's growth and development, ongoing and upcoming research, and the challenges and adventures that raising a child with a nearly unknown condition brings. Come join us to hear the story unfold. Welcome back to Raising Rare. Unfortunately, Sonneth was unable to join us today. However, today I welcome back Brittany Ratke, whose daughter Everly was born with a mutation in SETD5. SETD5 is a gene that controls several other genes and therefore has a broad range of phenotypic variations. We spoke with Brittany on episode number 45 and learned quite a bit about Everly's diagnosis and the impact it has had on their life. We've invited Brittany back to discuss her experience with AngelAid, a group that provides relief for rare mothers by helping them learn the tools of self-care. Spoiler alert, they do way more than that. Uh, That was my short version. But first, Brittany, how is Everly doing and are there any updates on her you'd like to share? Hi, Kevin. It's so great to be back. Uh, We just got out of the hospital a couple days ago for some pretty scary and intense testing for Everly. Um, We're struggling with some hypoglycemia now, but they do believe it's stemming from an underlying metabolic disorder. So we do have answers forthcoming, hopefully. Let me say that again. The more you know, the more you can take action and you can feel some level of control over things. When you don't know what's going on, it's just scary. So you mentioned AngelAid briefly during our first interview. But before we jump right in, I'd like to start back where you were before you went to AngelAid. You told me the story when we first met, and I I think it'd be worth sharing with our audience. So what was your state of mind back then? I think at that time I was feeling really stuck in our day-to-day life just kind of a dark place that I felt like I couldn't get out of. We are fortunate that we have a tremendous village of support, but our rare disease support was really limited to just a handful of people. And I think I was just feeling really defeated and it had been a long winter in Minnesota and I just was such a dark place that I couldn't get out of. Oh, that's hard to hear. And I hadn't thought of that, that it was winter time, and I know where we live in the time zones, we, we're early on in the time zone, and that means it stays dark, or gets dark very early during the winter time. Um, and I'm thinking that where you are in Minnesota, it's probably the same. You're on the eastern end of the, the time zone. Yes, it felt like we had very limited sunlight and then you add in the stress of everything else you're going through and it was a lot. Yeah, it's a, it would be great if we could just have sunshine whenever we wanted it. Um, and we know that's not the case. Yeah. Wouldn't it though? <laughs> It'd be a nice little improvement <laughs> on things. Is hey, turn on the sun today. Oh, turn on the rain when I need it. We'd never turn it on. Um, so, Tell me, how did you learn about Angel Aid and how did you get involved? So I kind of love this part. I accidentally came across Angel Aid. 
friend of mine, Effie Parks, had shared something on Instagram. And I remember thinking, like, is this real? Is this is this actually a resource available? I've never seen anything like it. It was exactly like what I needed in the moment. And so I remember clicking through the links and I kept looking further and further. And the farther I got down the rabbit hole, the more I knew I really needed to get involved with this opportunity, no matter if it was, you know, the the weekly sessions or this workshop, I just needed to get involved somehow. And is it open to anybody? I mean, any rare moms? Yes. And I think that's the part I loved the most. It's open to everyone and anyone. And there's really no threshold where where you can't be involved. There's no monetary implications that, you know, they just cater to everybody. There's scholarships. Everybody is welcome and encouraged to attend. And how many people were there? I believe it was about 10 to 12. I think they have a certain threshold, um, but they never want to leave anybody out. You know, it just, as you said that, it reminded me, you did this virtually, right? All the pictures I've seen on Angel Aid's website are people together, but this was done virtually. It was. And, you know, after now that I've attended a virtual event, I am dying to get out and see all of them in person. And I think that's their goal is to get back to that one day uh, once we get through some of the COVID surges here. But yes, it was so awesome to have it virtually because I could work it around, obviously, the care of my children and then my work schedule too. So you really have the opportunity to attend wherever you can. Yeah, that's the beauty of of virtual things is you don't have to travel. You don't have to uproot your whole day um, and you can you know, attend something like this. So tell me about the program before I just jump into a bunch of questions that need some context first. (laughs) Of course. So what I attended, it was called uh, More Mothers of Rare Experience and Rare Mothers Wellness Retreat. And as you mentioned, it was all done virtually. It was a six-week event, and it's guided by professional clinicians and self-care experts that essentially specialize in rare disease parenting. But the best part about it is it's bringing together all these rare disease moms. So we met that first time. I remember it was a Zoom meeting and we all got to come together and talk about ourselves and talk about the rare disease that affects our life. And then we had weekly meetings, therapy session, themed groups, um, and probably my most favorite, which is so cool that we could do this virtually, was equine and music therapy. So it seems weird, right? You're virtual, you have these horses that um, are in a completely different state, but probably one of the most calming groups that we did. I It severely impacted me for the good and was so relaxing. So essentially to get back to your question, it's just this opportunity for mother-to-mother bonding, tips and tools for self-care, and learning to embrace the ever-change that we are constantly living in. So you said it was six weeks long. How 
How long did you meet during each week? How often did you meet? Um, how was that set up? Sure. So it was two to three sessions a week. So again, opportunity where if you're at a hospital, there was there was one time a mom joined a session while being in the hospital with their child. It's just this opportunity to always feel connected. And so it was a couple times a week. Each session was anywhere from an hour to two hours long. And there's really no requirements. You get to attend where and when you can because we just know that Sometimes life changes so quickly, and it's just an open door for everybody. In experiences of I, I've had like this, it's always been sort of a go away, concentrated time, spend a week. Um, I did something that seemed so similar to this. It was a leadership training type thing. And we spent a week, you know, sleeping on the floor with each other and delving into what we're thinking and, and who we're about. I'm trying to imagine that kind of experience kind of split up like this with the flexibility that you talk about, which is absolutely required, you know, in COVID times, but actually such a luxury. And to be able to actually extend this over such a long period of time had to be powerful. It was, and it's it's a luxury that we just aren't used to seeing in the rare disease world. You know, we might not get that luxury if we're trying to maintain a full-time job or have other commitments in our life, and it was really the first time for me where I felt accepted and other people understood my schedule, and we understood each other's schedules, and, and you could still be included, and I just think that's so impactful. And when they do this in person, do they do it the same way where it's over six weeks or was that an accommodation for the virtual world? I believe that it's a shorter span of time and just being able to have that connection and journey together and do it in a shorter span of time. So you mentioned a number of types of sessions they had. What, what kind of tools were there? You had a tool session, tools for self-care, I think they're called. Yes. So we did most of our reviews off of the Sustainable Mom Workshop, which was done by Dr. Laura Redorn. And within that book, they gave us specific tips and tools and rituals for self-care. And I think the best part about that is that's going to vary for each of us and how our schedule looks. So we had some items that we typically use for self-care if we get to it. Um, but then we were able to bounce each other's ideas off of each other. You know, if that meant that you for sure get a coffee that day at Starbucks and you get 10 minutes to yourself, that was your self-care. And so it was kind of this group experience of coming together to get those tips and tools. Yeah, you can only think of so many on your own, right? And I bet you were fascinated by what some other people came up with. Um, was there any that was particularly interesting? I mean, Starbucks standing in line for 10 minutes, I get it. Um, anything else that was interesting? Yes, actually, um, I was always impacted by Effie Parks, and she has basically a list of non-negotiables that she does every single day no matter how busy the day is, if you're in the hospital, whatever it is, 
Um, and so I kind of started to make a list of my own then, whether that's getting a shower in, having a 10-minute walk to myself, just a list of things that you know you can get to no matter what the day looks like. And as you were saying that, you can also make it known to your to your spouse, to your family, hey, I'm on my list. I'm doing my 10-minute walk. I'll see you in 10 minutes. And everyone should be expecting it, you know, those types of things. It sounds like a great tool. The non-negotiable sounds a little tough, but I think I think we know where Effie's coming from. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think the the big part of that is we just don't do any self-care. So you throw in the non-negotiable to make sure that, hey, we have to get this done to survive and be the best version of ourselves. Well, and that's a great way to look at it, too. You're trying to 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 bring the best of yourself to the to the situation. And what were the other sessions you had? Let's not jump to the equine yet. What was the other kind of session? Some of the other sessions that I really enjoyed, we did that kind of fall into self-care, but we did a group walk. So at one point, I think it was even like 12 degrees here in Minnesota. Other people are walking in 95 degrees, but we just did a walk and talk. And that forced us to get out of our house, but it, we also maintained that group structure and kind of let the conversation lead to wherever it would go. And some of it was, what are you guys being seen this week at for the hospital? Or what are your tips for self-care? What are you looking to achieve this week? Do you guys have any goals? And I found that really impactful. And some of us have even continued to do the walk and talks outside of that six weeks. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm getting a feel that you guys created some community among yourselves. Over six weeks, that would happen. And you found a way to continue that on. That sounds pretty, pretty easy to do. Hey, let's schedule the walk for, you know, two, two o'clock this afternoon. Get on the phone and we'll just go for a walk and talk to each other. It's really cool. So impactful. And I think the other area that is so impactful is we were able to do some yoga and sensory experiences. Again, this is all virtual, but you're getting the exact same experience as you would in person. I There were really no barriers to not being in person. I think it was absolutely incredible. Again, I'm just, my mind is blown because the times I've done these things, with those little elements, you, how would you do that virtually? And then if you think about it, you know, somebody was talking, maybe, you know, quietly leading you through meditation, but they weren't doing anything to you. You didn't have to be in the same room. And so, yeah, I could see how that could work. That's, I was taking a class once just to, to share an experience of this that just came up. And it was, it was a class about leading worship. And the person who was leading the class said, okay, well, let's pray together. We were scattered all over the United States, and there was somebody in Guam, and there was somebody, I think, in Eritrea, so all over the world. And it felt like we were holding hands in a circle praying. And you just think, well, well how could that be? It's like, well... Because you're not, you close your eyes, you're, you're, you're just listening and you're sensing, where are these people? You're thinking about it. Um, it just was like mind-blowing when you realized 
how connected you were at that moment. Yes, and in a time where I think a lot of us aren't feeling connected, even through like COVID times and not necessarily even the rare disease community, it's just so impactful to feel that. And you won't, you'll never forget that feeling. It's just so powerful. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, it's just like the feeling when you, when you, like you said, you met somebody who had set D5 or talked to somebody who set D5. You, you'll never forget that moment. So let me hear about the horses. I'm, I am just fascinated by how you did equine therapy with a horse that probably doesn't know how to use Zoom very well. So they basically went out to a stable that they typically would bring you to in person. And there was just this impact of watching these two horses kind of come together. And we talked a lot about their movement Their, I'm going to go back here. They talked a lot about their movements and watching them come together. And then basically how do we bond together the same way that these horses do. And it was just this, I remember actually going after the session and Googling local equine therapy and how the heck I could get involved with one as soon as possible because I had this calm about me afterwards that I have never felt. I am notorious for being an anxious person my whole life, even before rare disease hit my house. And for the very first time, I had this amazing sense of calmness afterwards that I don't even know if I could put into words. Wow. Do you ride or had you ridden before then? Just a handful of times. My sister had horses when I was in my 20s and I enjoyed it, but didn't have the same impact on me. And if I could have horses now, if they were allowed in my my little neighborhood, I certainly would. <laughs> I know other people who've done equine therapy, and I know people who ride, and they talk about the connection you have with a horse, you know, when you're doing it. And I think you know, you're going to be able to find somewhere near you that, that has this kind of therapy. It's, it's actually quite well known, and there's a lot of people. And I would think in where you live, you know, you're going to have quite a few people around there that would do that out Tell me, what did you learn about yourself as you went through this experience? I learned so much. I realized I thrive on connection and having other medical moms I can bounce ideas off of or call on long drives to the hospital. It's just these people that are going to stay in my life and the connection that I need. And I learned finally that my own self-care is as I mentioned, a non-negotiable. I have to care for myself in order to care for Everly and my son Maverick and be the very best version of myself. And most importantly, I think for the first time, I really realized I'm not alone in this journey. And it's something I wish every rare disease mom, dad, wherever you are in the family, got to experience at the beginning of your journey because that's probably the point where you're feeling the most alone. Like, how am I going to get through this? And so for me, it was very, after three years, it was the first time I finally 
felt included and not alone. Wow, I didn't put together that it was a three-year period that, that you were trying to do it alone. You mentioned that you want to bring your best to it. I can, I mean, when you said that, it, it actually creates anxiety in me where I'm saying, oh, that whenever I'm trying to be my best, it, it feels like pressure. And so how has this helped you deal with that? I can bring my best and, and perhaps not feel the pressure to do it, but, but be open to bringing your best. I think it actually alleviated some of that pressure when you look at it more like, okay, I have six appointments to attend over the next two days. How can I show up for that? How can I plan for everything we need? How can I plan for possible hospitalization? It's just this ability to kind of, I hate to use the word micromanage, but see clearly and micromanage every kind of detail of the day and be present for it because I just think sometimes we lose that ability when there's so much going on at once. It's hard to juggle everything. And so doing those items of self-care are going to set me up to be more successful to manage whatever is going to come our way throughout the, the day or the week or the month without the added pressure. It's interesting you use the word micromanage because I think of it another way. It's kind of macro-managing. It's like stepping back and saying, okay, prepare myself to go into whatever's in there. And that's what it sounds like you're able to do as you've, you're, when you become present with it. You're able to say, okay, I'm here. I'm in control of what I can do. So let me do that. But just the, the fact that we look at it as micro versus macro, I think it's just a different way of thinking about it. But Totally. And I think when you lay it all out on a piece of paper, because I'm such a note person, it's like I'm managing every single detail of everything. And it is, like you said, it's finding that control, finding the areas of control that we have, because most of our life is based on things we can't control and unknowns. It's the kind of thing where you have to know where that boundary is, too, and say, hey, if I can't control it, I can't control it stop you know you have to stop yourself from 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 trying to control something that you just can't and and that's really hard but it's also freeing once you get there and say okay so i can't do anything about that let me manage what what we're going to do so let me ask what did you learn about the other moms this is the best part i think i learned that other moms feel exactly the same things that I've felt for so long. And I learned they're incredibly resilient advocates. They're living in survival mode just like we are. And they're people that I want to continue to be around because they just get it. I, I don't have to give any explanation about this medical term or anything. Like, it's this group of individuals that just get it, and that is enough. Well, I think it's important, too. It's We talk about not feeling alone, but to say, they're going through the same thing you are. They, they've learned the same thing you have. They can speak the same language. All those things. It's more than not feeling alone. It's feeling belonging um, and in a comfortable spot to, to have those conversations. So how has this experience changed you? 
Oh, well, I think it's given me incredible empowerment and optimism. And for the first time, it's given me this hope and connection I didn't even know was possible. And it's given me lifelong friends. I reached out to somebody just this weekend, as I mentioned, we were hospitalized and talked to them for 60 minutes on the drive to the hospital. It's these people I can count and depend on. And it's so impactful. And let me ask you, how are you going to pay this forward? You know, you accidentally ran into it. Um, and I can only imagine just knowing you as much as I do, the little that I do, but, but you seem very grateful for things. And I can imagine you're trying to figure out how to pay it forward. Absolutely. So I think I'm going to continue first and foremost to share angel aid wherever and whenever possible with other rare mamas. And, you know, it also made me realize, as I've mentioned a few times now, I strive on connection and there's this incredible healing in sharing not only our story, but hearing other people's stories, which I think is why I love hearing podcasts, just like I had started listening to this one or Once Upon a Gene and all of these stories. And I realized I think I want to start my own podcast one day. So I just want other people to feel that connection the mother-to-mother bond, the rare disease parent bond, because there's so much healing going on through that. And so that is probably my number one goal. And I, I don't know the timeline yet. Obviously, it's just kind of getting the feelers out there. But I think that is definitely something I would love to do one day. The, the point about connection, you know, as you, as you talked about that, I talked to lots of people in, with with rare diseases or their kids have rare diseases or they're, they're caregivers for somebody with a rare disease or they're involved somehow. And I don't think the first thing they're trying to find out is where do I get connected with someone? It, the way we're speaking here, where you're like connected in a relationship, not connected like do they know something I need to know, but but really connected like like I'm with you on this. I don't think that's the first, you know, probably five things that people are asking for. You know, they're they're like, well, where's the best doctor? What treatments are available? What treatments are coming? What, you know, it's all this factual stuff. And I think you can lose the humanity when you just think there's a way, you know, there's a process that's going to get me there. Um, once you get to the humanity, it changes the whole picture. <laughs> Although Sonneth isn't here. I, I've seen him go through that that kind of, you know, sequence. And now he's looking for connection with people. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. I do too. And I find it so interesting that that's the thing that's missing in all of, you know, during our discovery and, and learning about rare disease, right? Because it seems like it should be the number one thing. It's like, how are we going to build this community for you and hold you up? while you go through something so scary. And so obviously the doctors and your team are so valuable, but as you said, the the humanity portion is just as valuable in all of this. And so I hope too that I can bring some value as as we continue to grow here and, and give that faith and hope to other people. Yeah, I think it's a 
it's a real insight that, that I hadn't caught quite as strongly as I did just here in our conversation that, yeah, we need to do that early on and be on the lookout for those people because they won't think of it themselves. They're thinking about all those other things. I mentioned before we came on that I met, you know, Crystal Laughlin, who, who started Angel Aid uh, this weekend or that last week, actually. And it was interesting because there was like presentations and all of this. It was a pharmaceutical business meeting and it was rare disease and innovation. And so people, you know, you'd see a presentation and then there'd be Q&A. And when Crystal got up to ask her a question, it was like a completely different question. You know, it was about, you know, how are you, you know, in the midst of all of this, taking care of the mental health of the people you're working with? I think it was something like that. It just, it changed the, the mood of the room right then. You know, people went, oh yeah, let's not forget about that. Yes, and she has this incredible way of always finding the humanity in everything and incredible way of like feeling like you're so comforted and held. And again, that is the feeling I had even virtually, right? It's like I'm not getting a hug from her in person, but just the way she presents herself with everything, it's just this, you're just like you are such an incredible human and everything you do is so impactful and just speaks volumes about who she is. Well, and it's it's that presence thing. When she's talking to you, you know she's there. She's she's not paying attention to all the noise in her back of her head or anything. She just talks to you, and I think that that's that's hard for us to do sometimes. We have so much going on in our lives, but when you practice that presence, when you say, "I'm really going to listen to this person. I'm not going to try to come up with answers." Or questions for them. I'm just going to listen. It really changes the dynamic. So I wanted to make an announcement here, sort of. I, I We've been talking about this for quite a while, but I wanted to let our listeners know that Brittany's going to be a regular guest on Raising Rare. In fact, more of a co-host. We're going to help her get that podcast started, get some experience, and, you know, enrich the discussions that we've been having. Sometimes it'll be Sonneth, Brittany, and I will be on the phone and we'll be talking about a topic or whatever. Sometimes, like today, it'll just be two of us at a time. And we hope that by adding in Everly's story to Raga's story, we can reach more people who are concerned about the rare disease community or in the rare disease community and share those experiences so that they can be enriched and empowered by them. So I'm really excited about bringing your, your story and Everly's story to our listeners. It's a little bit different, but there are deep connections between the two. So, Brittany, what are you excited about in the upcoming episodes that we've planned? Oh, I am so excited that we finally made the announcement. I am excited that there are just so many parallels to Sanath and I's journey, and I'm excited to walk through some of those things together and continue to create this importance awareness around not only set D5, but the rare disease community as a whole. And I'm just so excited that we get to do that together. It's so fun. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. The the few conversations we've had kind of off to the side planning, we've, we always seem to laugh a lot and uh, 
It always lifts my spirit. I hope it does yours. So this is going to be great. So now that we've announced it, Brittany, would you like to close the show? I would love to. I wanted to just let you guys know that there are lots of resources for you to check out Angel Aid yourselves. The first one being angelaidcares.org. They also have an upcoming fall retreat coming here in 2022. So again, I encourage you to hop on the website and look up the options to sign up for that. If that's not something that you can attend, just know there is also weekly and monthly support groups available that you can attend. No price, nothing is needed. Just show up to the Zoom meeting and take the opportunity to join in a great group of people that will impact your life forever. Can't wait to talk to you guys soon. Raising Rare is produced by Salem Oaks, empowering patients and caregivers to shape the future of medicine. CureGPX4.org is dedicated to finding a treatment and cure for SSMD. You can donate to CureGPX4 on the Raising Rare podcast page or at CureGPX4.org. You can continue to follow Raga's story next time on Raising Rare. <laughs>